This PBS NewsHour podcast is supported in part by Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Their scientists played a substantial role in developing more than half the cancer drugs approved by the FDA in the last five years. Dana-Farber Cancer Institute is changing lives everywhere. Find out more at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. Your podcast will begin after this short message. There's been a rise in mental health issues among teenagers. It's become a crisis. Adults think that things are bad for us just because of the pandemic, but it's more complicated than that, and it's been getting worse for a while. We here at PBS NewsHour Student Reporting Labs are in a unique position to do something about it, to report on it from our point of view. I'd feel anxious whenever I was outside of my house. I would feel like something really bad is going to happen, and I just feel that way the entire day until I go to sleep, and then the cycle starts all over again. Introducing On Our Minds. A podcast that's unique because it's made by teens, for teens, all about teens, and our mental health. Listen to On Our Minds wherever you get your podcasts. The number of weekly unemployment claims in the United States dropped again today, and tomorrow we're expecting a clearer picture of what's happening with the job market. As more Americans get vaccinated, workers and companies are figuring out what post-pandemic work life will look like and how it may change permanently. Our business and economics correspondent Paul Solomon has the story. It's part of his regular reporting, Making Sense. Working from home, Molly Carlson is more productive in more ways than one. I found it's been easier to work really hard in a focused way all day. And I've also liked occasionally being able to throw in a load of laundry in the morning and turn it over at lunchtime. Motobar Fulla likes being home too. We've got a 10-month-old. Being able to have that flexibility, you know, helping out with diapers um, and help out at the house. Brad Duckett found a mate. She was from Eugene, Oregon, and I was from Knoxville, Tennessee. That wouldn't have necessarily worked had I been tied to an office. Duckett and his now wife will travel the world while he works. We head to Portugal on August 1st, then another month in Valencia, Spain, split Croatia, and then we'll be going down to South Africa, and I'll just be working my normal job. COVID-19 forced millions of Americans to temporarily alter their work life. Now, with vaccines available and the economy reopening, their employers are considering permanent shifts, says economist Nicholas Bloom. It's taken basically a global pandemic to generate what's really a revolution in the way we work. And I think 20, 30 years from now, we'll be looking back at this and saying, well, there was one small silver lining in the pandemic, which is it completely changed working patterns for, you know, roughly half of all Americans. Okay. Half of Americans are still working from home almost three-quarters of all white-collar workers. What do they want long-term? Welcome to Remotopia. Desmond Dickerson, who's worked remotely for years, does research for Microsoft. There's a lot of people that are saying they want the flexibility, but they also want in-person. So that's why hybrid is emerging as an essential way of doing business going forward. Sure enough, a survey by law firm Littler Mendelssohn found more than half of employers planning to offer a mix, remote and in-person. Because work at home has been more productive, says lawyer Devjani Mishra. Over the past 16 months, we've really had this extended experiment, this proof of concept to see, well, does this work? And many employers who never would have considered it before are finding that it does. And so Ford Motor Company, for instance, where maybe a few hundred worked from home before, 
will let 32,000 of its 86,000 employees choose to work in person or remotely with flexible hours, permanently. Why not before? The cultural belief was by and large, if I can't see you, you're not working. Jennifer Kolstad oversees the design of Ford's physical spaces. In a moment, that vanished. Um, we realized, if I can't see you, you are working. In fact, you're working very hard. While taking care of tasks that make you a happier employee. Picking up our kids from school, which is something that I've done for the first time ever in my career. And that's become a priority that I don't want to give up now. You know, I've adjusted my days so that I'll keep doing that, I hope, forever. But that doesn't mean that I'm any less productive. It just means that my workday is different. Another perk for those working remotely, comfort. As I revealed inadvertently when I stood to show Colstad something in my backdrop. This is the best part of COVID. Well, not for those caught in their tennis shorts. But work from home has become so popular, firms are now using it to entice workers, says Dickerson. Those startups are competing for the top talent all over the country now, and at times even outside of the country. So if you have an archaic way of working where everyone has to be face-to-face -face in the office nine, ten hours more uh, per day, uh, you know, there might be folks that say, eh, I'd rather work from home or you know, I'd rather not be fighting commutes and, and traffic you know, five times a week. As a result, companies like Twitter, which offered a permanent remote option last year, are telling Nick Bloom they can now hire more diversely. We can have employees right across the country and in fact, some of them international. And we can reach groups of folks that would never, you know, in large numbers be in Silicon Valley. Like workers in minority communities outside of traditional tech hubs, says Microsoft's Dickerson. These are places that you know, over-index in white populations, whereas the South has a lot more of a diverse population. Xiaoyin Chu's virtual event startup took off during the pandemic. So we got a lot of traction almost immediately, and that also means we had to hire remotely almost immediately. Chu now has 20-plus employees all over the world, helping her create online meetings. You used to know like, who is the boss's favorite. Um, it's not, not super obvious because they don't grab drink together. <laughs> it's not obvious. So to some degree, it's, it's better because the employees kind of, you know, they're having like an even playing ground. On the other hand, virtual work amplifies some differences. The introverts seem to have a somewhat of a challenge because they don't really do the small talk in the meeting. Right. They don't necessarily have the one-on-one -on -one in a casual way. For workers, there are also the familiar frustrations of working from home, burnout. There's no real clear line of when to take a break. And oh, you froze again. Spotty connections and other technical glitches. Mr. Ponton, I believe you have a filter turned on in the video settings. Folks in rural areas are at a particular disadvantage, says Dickerson. Oftentimes, they don't have an adequate connection. Uh, they don't have adequate broadband. About half of folks are saying they're not even getting support from their company to, to uh, you know, build out their workstations at home. Uh, which is particularly unfortunate because companies save money when they switch to remote working environments. And what about those like Joseph Walden, who lives alone? A lot of it's just sitting there, just me, the chair, the computer. So sometimes it did get a little bit lonely. Joelle Kanyana misses her colleagues. The conversations that we have amongst each other, sharing our projects casually, I've missed out on also getting to know them as people. And as more firms offer the hybrid choice, Bloom warns, there will be more unintended consequences. If you look at people with 
a college degree that have kids 12 or under, women have almost 50% higher rate of preference to work from home five days a week than men. But that collides with the fact, and we see it over years of data, that if you're in the office, you're much more likely to get promoted than if you're working from home. So putting that together, you can see choice could easily lead to a situation whereby five years from now, let's say single young men come into the office every day, they're promoted up, they're in management. Uh, women with young children choose not to come into the office nearly as many days and they're held back. But how do the 50% of Americans who don't have the option to work remotely feel? I wanna say a little bit envious, <laughs> but we kinda are. Electrician Tanya Hicks owns her own business. It's like, yeah, you wish that was you working from home, but it's not you, so. Home care provider and union member Hillary Rothrock agrees. Those who have to leave their homes, who are not able to um, stay home and work, should be compensated as such. And I do believe that it's something um, we should look at, such as a shift differential, hazard pay. There should be an increase in the, in the worker's wage. And they should feel empowered as never before, argues Dickerson. Right now, they do have leverage after everything that's happened in the past year to really push back on the way that they are compensated, the way that they're treated in the workplace, the benefits they're looking for. Everything related to their work is, is up for negotiation. One more way that COVID-19 is transforming work. For the PBS NewsHour, I'm Paul Salman. Great story. And now we know Paul Salman sometimes interviews people wearing his tennis shorts. Thank you, Paul.